Jesus said in Matthew 28 verse 19, Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Welcome to Go Teach All Nations, bringing you Christ's teachings through Australian and international speakers. And here is today's presenter, Tony Rikers. We pick up our story tonight in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 24. And we find in Matthew 24, in the first couple of verses there, in verse 3, we find that Jesus Christ is sitting alone upon the Mount of Olives. And his disciples have some questions and they come to him, the Bible says, and they ask those questions. And I want you to, to notice, I want you to notice what these questions are, or this particular question. Notice here, Matthew 24, looking at verse 3. And as he, which is talking about Jesus, sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, now notice this question, tell us when shall these things be? Now notice this, this, uh, these questions. And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Friends, what a question that is. They come to Jesus Christ privately. They have this big burden on their heart. They say, Lord, when shall these things be? What will be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? You know, friends, it's a question that's been asked for centuries. When will the world end? Will it end? What will be the sign of thy coming, they asked. How will, you come, how will we know you're coming back to this earth to set up this eternal kingdom? And when will the end of the world be? You know, the end of the world is something that frightens people. And the Bible speaks often about the end of the world. This sinful, sad, sin-sick world we live in will not last forever. It won't go on for eternity. God will put an end to sin and suffering and death. And that will take place at the second coming of Christ. And the disciples are saying, well, Lord, how do we know when this will take place? What a question. It's been asked for 2,000 years. When will Jesus come back? When will heaven begin? Now, Jesus Christ didn't come along and say, listen, on such and such a date and such and such a year, I'm going to come back and that'll be the end of the world. Jesus didn't do that. He didn't give a specific date. In fact, Jesus himself said in the same chapter, no man knows the day or the hour. But he did give us something of which we could understand roughly when the time is. He begins to give the disciples specific signs of what the world will be like just prior to him coming back to this world again. And we're going to look tonight at 18 signs that the Bible gives. Many Christians call them the signs of the times that are telling us, I believe, that time is running out for planet earth the first sign that jesus gave the disciples there in matthew 24 they asked that question lord what will be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world the very first sign that jesus gives his disciples is the war sign matthew 24 and verse 6 the bible says jesus said and ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars for nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom you know, friends, I don't have to remind you in this world that we live in today that this world is a world that's racked by war. We have had in the last century, or even less than a century, two world wars, World War I, World War II. In a time when there's talks about peace and peace and peace, we have war and war and war. In fact, today, as we speak today, 
there's been such a proliferation of war that we have between 35 and 39 wars continually being fought on planet Earth. In terms of dollars, the world spends around about $1 trillion a year simply on war. And as I said, we have the United Nations and we have peace process after peace process. And the more we talk peace, sadly, the more we find we are in war. Friends, the war sign is being fulfilled right before our eyes as never before. Never in the history of mankind have we had war as we've had war in the last 60 and 70 years. Now, the next sign that Jesus gives in verse 7, Matthew 24, verse 7, he says, and there shall be famines. He says, there'll be wars in diverse places, nations against nations, but there will also be famines, he says. Do we see the famine sign being fulfilled in our world today? You know, right now, as I speak, there are around about 800 million people on this earth that are suffering for want of food. They are malnourished. Every day, as every day goes by, we are told around about 35,000 children die of hunger, malnutrition, and disease. That's about two every second. I said, sorry, about one every two seconds. In a world where there should be enough food for all, 35,000 children are dying every day from hunger, malnutrition, and disease, simply for the necessities of life that you and I take for granted. In terms of countries, we have in our world today, 38 countries of our world facing food shortages. In terms of starvation, 57 million people die per year, 156,000 die per day. In the relation to the world's population, we are told that 60% of our 6 billion inhabitants, 60% are malnourished, and 20% of them will end up starving for a lack of food. Friends, we are seeing today, right now, before our very eyes, as never before in the history of mankind, the famine sign being fulfilled. So Jesus said there'll be wars, there'll be famines, but he also goes on now in Matthew 24, verse 7 as well, and he says, and there shall be earthquakes in diverse or different places. You know, in our world, there's always been earthquakes in the world. But in our world today, we have seen something very interesting in the last 20, 30 to 40 years. Earthquakes have been increasing at a rapid rate. Yeah, in the early 1980s, there was around about 11,000 earthquakes recorded on planet Earth. As we got to the year 2001, we find that there was around 21,000 earthquakes being recorded on planet Earth. In just 20-odd years, it's gone from about 11,000 to 21,000. There are around 6,000 major earthquakes, what they class as a major earthquake, every year on planet Earth. Earthquakes are increasing in intensity and in frequency. In fact, only about five to six months ago, I myself found myself in an earthquake. I was over in the islands of Vanuatu on a small island called Achen Island, I was running a series of meetings just like this. It was called the final events of Bible prophecy. And the second night of the program, which is actually this very night, before I spoke this particular lecture on signs of the times and, and the earthquake sign, the very night before that, we were laying in our beds and at about 4 o'clock in the morning, 10 past 4 in the morning, our house and our bed began to shake back and forward across the, across the room. We could hear bottles and things smashing on the concrete in the different rooms, and we woke up, didn't know what was going on. It was an earthquake. 
And that's the first time I've been in an earthquake. And it's a frightening experience, the power of nature when, when that earth begins to move. We were, living, we were sleeping in this big, big bed. It was made out of typical island bed. It was made out of tree trunks. You could hardly even move it. But the whole bed was just shaking back and forward across the concrete floor. Major earthquakes have taken place more and more frequently. And back in the year, uh, I think it was 2003, I believe it was 2003, December, there was a major earthquake that took place in Iran. There was about 50,000 people that were killed in that earthquake. And just after that took place, the Sydney Morning Herald brought out a chart, which I found very interesting in relation to the Bible and the earthquake sign. It brought out a chart depicting the major earthquakes since 1923. Now, you'll notice on the screen here, I've got this chart for us to look at. Now, you'll notice on this chart, we see a major increase in major earthquakes in the last 10 to 15 years. Notice the chart. From 1923 to 1988, there was recorded nine major earthquakes in 65 years. But we go from... 1990 down to 2003, and we find there is 14 major earthquakes in just 13 years. So we had nine major earthquakes in 65 years to 1988, and now we have 14 major earthquakes in just 13 years up until 2003. Now, of course, since then, we've had some major, major earthquakes. We had that major earthquake which caused that great tsunami that wiped out much of the coast of Asia and India and so forth. That was after 2003. We are seeing a major increase in the earthquake sign taking place in our world today. Also with the earthquakes, Jesus mentioned that there would be other disasters. Notice the other words that Jesus used in other Gospels, talking about the same signs of the times. In Luke 21, verse 11, he said, fearful sights. In Luke 21, 25, he said, the sea and the waves roaring. In Mark 13, verse 8, he said, and troubles. We are seeing earthquakes. We are seeing the sea and the waves roaring. We are seeing troubles. We are seeing fearful sights. We are seeing natural disasters take a pl taking place around this world as we have never seen them take place before. Even just a couple of days ago, for those who are watching the news, those massive tornadoes that came through in America there, just tore places to shreds. People were killed. This is happening more and more frequently and with more and more intensity. Now, Jesus goes on. He's given us a war sign. There's the, the, uh, the earthquake sign. There's the famine sign. And Jesus now says in Matthew 24, verse 7, and there shall be pestilences. There shall be pestilences, he says, one of the signs before I come. There shall be pestilences. You know, it wasn't that long ago, back in 1918, when the Spanish influenza epidemic broke out, which killed about, well, they estimate between 20 and 40 million people. Of course, today we have things like AIDS. They say today that it's between six and 7,000 young, I'm talking young people, being infected every day with the AIDS virus. It's one every three or four minutes. It's taking place right before our eyes. The World Health Organization now says that we have over 40 million cases of AIDS around this world and it's growing faster and faster and faster in some places in Africa one in every two people have been infected with the AIDS virus of course we have today superbugs bacteria that are becoming immune to the strongest antibiotics 
We have things like Ebola, mad cow disease. We have SARS. Of course, we have the bird flu, which is causing a lot of concern in different places at the moment. Anthrax. Of course, we talked about AIDS. Today, the pestilence sign is synchronizing with the rest of the signs that Jesus gave of how and when he would come back to this earth. Another sign that Jesus gave is found there in Luke chapter 21, verse 25. And upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. Notice these words. Upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. As we look at our society today, friends, we would have to all agree that there is great fear, great concern in our world today. People are wondering what is going to happen. There's great concern and fear about many different things, about population explosion. Many are concerned about the worldwide economic difficulties. Others are concerned about the greenhouse effect, the diminishing ozone layer. Others are concerned about the nuclear weapons that are stockpiled around this world. Others are concerned about worldwide terrorism. And those last two together are causing great fear, especially amongst those in the United States of America. They're greatly fearful of a terrorist getting hold of a nuclear weapon, or a nuclear device at least, and detonating that device somewhere in the United States of America. And according to latest reports from America itself, this is not just the newspapers, this is their intelligence, they believe that there is possibly one or at least two of these devices already in the United States of America. This is causing great fear, friends, tremendous fear. We saw on September 11, the Twin Towers come down. It shocked the world. But can you imagine if one of those nuclear devices was detonated in New York City? Friends, you can forget the Twin Towers. It would decimate the entire city. There's great fear, great concern in our world today. You know, it's strange. A little while ago, I come across a man... And he told me, he's an elderly gentleman, he said, after September 11, he says, I have not put on my television set. I am so fearful of what takes place in this world. Every day I put the news on and it's doom and it's gloom. There's great fear in our society today, friends. And Jesus Christ said, there would be fear. And it's taking place before our very eyes. Maybe you're fearful today. Maybe you feel fearful in your heart tonight. But Jesus tells us, let not your hearts be troubled. In Matthew 28, verse 20, the Bible tells us, Jesus himself said, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. God can give us confidence. He can give us assurance that his hand is in control of this world. The things that take place are only allowed to take place to the furtherance of the kingdom of heaven and pushing us towards that great event of the second coming of Christ. God says, I have the solutions for the troubles of this world. We can trust God, friends. There's no need for us to be fearful today. The next sign, sign number six, the Bible gives us, I've called it the travel sign. Daniel 12, verse 4, the Bible tells us, at the time of the end, many shall run to and fro. At the time of the end, it's talking about when is the time of the end? It's talking about the end of time, the same time that the disciples came to Christ and said, when will be the end of the world? Jesus tells us these different signs, and another sign the Bible gives us is that Men shall run true and fro. And friends, as never before in the history of mankind has it been so easy for us to travel from one part of the planet to the other. 
You know, it was only a little while ago. I got in a car one morning. I got in the car. I drove to the airport, got out of the airport, got on an escalator that carried me halfway across the airport, got into a plane, flew halfway across the country, got out of the plane, got onto another escalator that carried me out of the airport, got into a car that took me to a train station, got on the train, drove on the train for an hour and a half, got off the train, got onto a bus, drove on the bus for an hour and a half, got out of the bus, got into a car, which took me to my final destination. That was all in one day. That's a lot of travel, isn't it? As never before, friends, we are traveling the earth with ease and with comfort. If you go back into history, all they ever really had was a horse or a horse and a wagon or a horse and a chariot. But today, friends, with the modern means of transportation, we are traveling to and fro across the earth as never before. And also part of Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4 is the knowledge sign. It says, and knowledge shall be increased. At the end of time, we are told that knowledge will be increased. And we are seeing today, as never before, it's so obvious to the world, that knowledge has been increased as never, ever before. You know, in the first century AD, there was a Roman engineer, Julius Fontius. He wrote a book, and in that book he said he believed that no more important inventions would ever be possible. First century AD. At the end of the 1800s, now the 1800s was really an explosion of invention. At the end of the 1800s, the director of the U.S. Patent Office said the office should be closed because he believed that there would be no more important inventions. But friends, the Bible tells us, God said at the end of time, knowledge will increase. There will be an exponential growth in the field of knowledge. And we have witnessed an explosion in the last 50 to 100 years in knowledge and inventions. Man has made more spectacular advances, friends, in science, in medicine, in transportation, in communication, than every other past age of history, all put together in just the last few years. The knowledge sign, my friends, as never before, is being fulfilled before our very eyes. Sign number eight of our 18 is found in Matthew 24, verse 14. Jesus, once again, still giving these signs to his disciples. And Matthew 24, verse 14 says, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. He says the gospel will be preached in all the world as a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. This is when it will take place. So what it's basically saying is before Jesus comes, the gospel has to do what? Go to the entire world as a witness to allow them to accept or reject him as their Lord and Savior and to be prepared for that great kingdom that he will set up. And as never before today, friends, the gospel is going to the world. And it really ties back into our last sign, the knowledge sign, because the knowledge through television, radio, printing, internet, satellites and so forth it's allowing the gospel to go to the world as never ever before even into countries where missionaries can't go the internet and television go the gospel is being shared with the world at a rate that is so fast today that people are getting a chance to hear the good news of salvation this sign is also being fulfilled before our very eyes sign number nine 
is the financial sign. A very, very interesting passage of Scripture here. Notice what we find here in the book of James, chapter 5, verse 1 to 5. It says, Go to now, you rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted. You have heaped treasure together for the last days. What is the context, friends, of this verse of Scripture? In the stream of time, where does it belong? It belongs when? In the last days, doesn't it? It's talking about rich men heaping treasure together for themselves at the last days. It goes on. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud. You have lived in pleasure on the earth. It's very interesting as you put these signs together. Jesus said there would be the famine sign. And we found already that thousands upon thousands upon this earth are starving daily for the simple once of life. But at the same time, the Bible tells us there'll be the rich men of the world heaping treasure for the last days. The hire of the laborers that, they, that work for them is being kept back by fraud. And they're amassing great amounts of wealth and living in pleasure on the earth. And that describes our world today. One half of the world, friends, is starving to death, and the other half of the world is living in luxury and pleasure. One of the signs is that there would be rich men in our world heaping wealth together for themselves, when at the same time thousands are perishing for the daily needs of life. And friends, today as I speak, the vast majority of the world's wealth is controlled by only a small minority of men. Let's look at big business for a moment. Yeah, today as I speak, the top 200 companies of the world contribute over 25% of the world's economy. And when you say that fast, it doesn't seem to mean much, but you just think about it, 200 companies are contributing to 25% of the entire world's economy. The wealthiest 1% of the world now have more wealth than the bottom 95% of the world. Of the top 100 largest economies, now think about this, of the 100 largest economies in the world, 51 are global corporations, only 49 are countries. So you've got global corporations that have got larger economies, as it were, than nations and countries. For example, Ford is bigger than South Africa. General Motors is bigger than Norway. The rich men of the world controlling the finances of the world. And this could be a lecture all of its own. You can go into all the different details. But we are finding today that a few men really control the financial status of this world. Our next sign, which is an interesting one, is, I haven't called it anyway, the perilous times sign. The perilous times sign. Now notice these words found in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth-breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, trady, heady, high-minded. Friends, as we read those verses of scripture. This is really just echoing the newspapers we find in our world today, isn't that right? We daily hear of selfishness, pride, greed, murder. 
And what those verses are telling us of what the last days will be like is exactly what we find in our world today. You know, most people in our world today have thrown away God. And the three most important people in their life is me, myself, and I. They live for self. They live for pleasure. They live to indulge themselves. And by so doing, you often have to trample on those who are around you. And you'll notice back on that verse there, the last part of, of verse 4, it says a little word there. That little word, is it says the word incontinent. Part of the problems of society is that there would be incontinence. Now, what does that word incontinence mean? Well, if you get a, uh, a, uh, a concordance, which tells you the, the Greek and the Hebrew meaning of the words of the Bible, you will find that that word incontinence means a lack of self-restraint or a lack of self-control, and it has in there especially sexually. And this brings us to our next sign, because one of the signs of the last days is people in society would be incontinent. They'd have a lack of self-restraint sexually. And this brings us to our 11th sign, the Sodom sign. Notice the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 17, verse 28 to 30. He says this, likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Now, when the Bible talks about when Jesus himself says when the Son of Man is revealed, he's talking about himself and he's talking about his second coming. So what Jesus is saying here is this. He's saying, as it was back in Lot's day, now Lot, Lot was a righteous man, this is back in the book of Genesis, but Lot made a mistake, he went to live in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Jesus is saying, what it was like in Lot's days, in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, when they were destroyed, that's what it will be like just before the Son of Man, or Jesus Christ, comes back to this world. So the conclusion is this. The world will be becoming like Sodom and Gomorrah before the second coming of Christ. So the ultimate question is simply this. What was Sodom and Gomorrah like? Why did God destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? Jesus is saying what it's like back then is what it will be like before I come, just before I come at the second coming, end of time. So what was Sodom and Gomorrah like? Well, we find the answer to that question in the Bible itself. We find the answer to that question in the book of Jude, chapter 1 and verse 7. Notice these words of Scripture. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So here we find Sodom and Gomorrah, suffered the vengeance of eternal fire. And what took place, for those who don't know the story, is that fire and brimstone came out of heaven and just destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible's telling us this took place because of two things back there in that verse. They gave themselves over to what? Fornication. And they gave themselves over to strange flesh. Now, of course, the question is, what is fornication and strange flesh? Because Jesus is telling us what it was like back in Sodom is what it will be like when I come back. And we know Sodom was full of fornication and full of strange flesh. That's why it was destroyed. Now, what is fornication? 
Well, fornication, for those who may not know, is basically a relationship between people who are unmarried. I'll say it that way. It's a, it's a, a sexual relationship between people who are unmarried. That is what fornication is. Do we see fornication taking place in our society today? If we are to see these signs fulfilling, we should expect fornication to be running rampant in our society today. And friends, if we're honest with ourselves, that's exactly what's taking place. Today, across our society, we see fornication everywhere. It's on the television, it's in the papers, it's in the magazines. We have the Mardi Gras, we have pornography, we have filth everywhere which is leading to more and more fornication relationships between, especially young people, between those who should not be having one. And friends, our society is permeated with pornography, with immorality. It's in the books, magazines, it's on the television, it's in the movies, it's on the computers, it's through the internet. And what would have made our mothers and fathers or our grandmothers and our grandfathers blush with shame in their day is now just commonplace. Why? Because we become desensitized to these things that are in our face wherever we go. We are finding that, we are finding that fornication is rife through our society today, exactly as it was back in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, what about the other part to that text, fornication and strange flesh? What does strange flesh mean? Well, I think if we know anything about the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, we find that that word strange flesh is very, very clearly representing homosexual activity in society. The reason why they were destroyed, friends, is because of fornication and homosexuality and the like perversions that go with that. You know, Paul talked about this in the book of Romans. The book of Romans chapter 1, the Bible tells us in verse 26 and 27, even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men. You know, friends, today in our society, homosexuality, bisexuality, pedophiles, self-abuse, pornography is rife and it's accepted through our society. In Leviticus chapter 18, the Bible tells us very clearly that God says these things are an abomination. An abomination. Now, don't get me wrong here, friends. God loves every one of us. The Bible tells us that we are all sinners. God loves the sinners. God loves homosexuals. He just doesn't love the sin. And we have to be honest with ourselves as people on this earth that God does not accept homosexuality. God did not make two men to come together to have a family and have a child. God did not make Adam and Steve. He made Adam and Eve, friend. God designed man and woman to come together to have a family. But we are seeing in our society today this perversion being promoted through our school systems, through our television systems, through our media systems, and it's expected to be accepted and the sad part is this. We can't probably expect too much from the world. As a Christian, I can't expect too much from the world because people who don't believe in God and want to follow their own ways usually follow a sinful lifestyle. We can't expect much more from the world, but we should expect more in the Christian church, shouldn't we? 
And sadly, we find in our world today that this perversion is in the world, but it's being accepted into the Christian church. Friends, the Bible tells us that God said it's an abomination. And the Bible also tells us, I am the Lord God, I change not. What was an abomination 4,000 years ago, friends, is still an abomination today in the eyes of God. God loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. He wants us to change our sinful ways. But we find today right in the church so-called of God that people are accepting homosexuality as an alternative lifestyle. In the Sydney Morning Herald back in August 18, 2001, we found this little article come out. It said, in Australia, from 23% to 58% of priests are gay. Friends, this is in the church. The church is supposed to be the bastion of truth, of right and wrong. And we find in the churches, not just a Catholic church here, because this is a Catholic church, not just the Catholic church, but even in Protestant churches, it's being accepted as the norm. But friends, Jesus said, as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, so shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In other words, when I come back to this earth, it will be like Sodom and Gomorrah. And friends, it's like Sodom and Gomorrah right now, today. This sign is being fulfilled before our very eyes. And I want to just add that footnote again. I'm not against homosexuals. God loves them. There's a lot of beautiful people that are homosexuals and have other ways of lifestyle. God loves you. God wants to, to save you and guide you, but he cannot accept your lifestyle when he says it's an abomination. We must bring our life into accordance with the word of God. Now, we also have other signs we find there in the, because that's still part of the perilous time signs, that little incontinence we found, that word incontinent. But back there in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we found also another sign that was very interesting. The Bible says this, 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 and 4. This know also that in the last days men shall be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. You know, I believe this is being fulfilled before our eyes as well. In a world as never before where football stadiums, movie theaters, nightclubs are full to capacity, churches are becoming empty. Now, there's nothing wrong with pleasure, righteous pleasure that is, God tells us he wants us to have pleasure. In Psalm 16, verse 11, it tells us, at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. But the pleasures become wrong when we forget God. When we throw God out the window and just keep going to the pleasures, we are fulfilling this verse of Scripture found in 2 Timothy chapter 3, that at the end of time, in the last days, men will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. It also says something else. This is our 13th sign now. The children's sign. I could also probably change the children's sign to the disobedient children's sign. It says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. This know also that in the last days, it tells us there what? There will be disobedience to parents. Now, friends, I don't know whether you've noticed this. Maybe, it was just, maybe it's just me. But have you noticed that children are not quite as obedient as they once were? Have you sort of noticed that the young people of today, especially the youth, they seem to have no respect for anybody, whether it be their parents, whether it be their school teacher, whether it be law enforcement officers? You know, I was walking along the road just a little while ago, and I watched a school bus go by, just by chance the school bus was going by, and there's a little child sitting up against the window, must have been about 10, 12 years of age, 
he noticed me watching the school bus go by and he gave me some certain finger signs that told me some rude things. This is our society today, isn't it? Young people don't have respect. Now, thankfully that bus was moving along because if that bus hadn't been moving along, maybe I would have caught up with that bus and had a talk to that young fellow about his finger signs. But we find in our society there is no respect for adults, teachers, or anything in authority. You know, friends, when I was growing up, to help me have respect for authority, there was a man in my school. His name was Mr. Sleeman. He was, I think he was the vice principal of the school back in primary school. Now, Mr. Sleeman was about six foot six tall, big curly hair, big coat bottle glasses. And I had a healthy respect for Mr. Sleeman because when Mr. Sleeman got a hold of you in the schoolyard or in the classroom and you were doing the wrong thing, maybe making a few wrong finger signs at people on the bus, Mr. Sleeman took you up to his office and Mr. Sleeman would bend you over and with a cane, he would give you what we would call six of the best. Now, friends, when you got six of the best from Mr. Sleeman, I mean, they were the best. And they taught you, they helped you to realize that you were to have respect for authority. And I had a healthy respect for authority because of Mr. Sleeman. Now, I remember there was one story about Mr. Sleeman. He was, uh, was reported by kids in the school, which I don't think it was a true story. But one of the kids in our class was a boy, boy, boy named Stephen White. We used to call him Whitey. And the story goes that, uh, that Mr. Sleeman got Whitey. It was a two-story school. And one day got him to his office and instead of giving him six of the best, he grabbed him by the ears and hung him out the window and shook him around a bit and said, I'll let you go if you don't start doing the right thing. And we had a healthy respect for, for uh, Mr. Sleeman, although I believe that story wasn't true because otherwise Mr. Sleeman might have found himself in jail. But we were learned to have, we were taught to have respect for our teachers, for our parents for law enforcement officers. But we find in our world today, and the Bible tells us, in the last days, there will be disobedience to parents. There'll be a lack of respect. You know, there was a survey that was conducted amongst, student, amongst teachers in the United States of America. They surveyed teachers that taught back in the 1940s, and then they surveyed teachers that were teaching in the year 2001. And they asked them to list the seven most pro biggest problems they had with children in the school. And the teachers back in the 1940s gave their list, and this is what the list said. Talking out of turn, chewing gum, making noise, running in the hall, cutting into a line, dress code infractions, and littering. That was the seven biggest troubles that they had back in the schools in 1940. The same question was asked to teachers in the year 2000. Their list said this, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, pregnancy, suicide, rape, robbery, assault. There's been a major change in the school since the 1940s to the year 2001 and, of course, beyond to the day in which we live today. Children have changed. They are fulfilling the sign where there is a lack of respect for anything that is right and meaningful and true. You know, I'll always laugh at this story. There was a Japanese tourist that came to Australia a little while back and he was asked, after he left, he was asked, as he was leaving, he was asked the question, someone said, what impressed you so much about our Australia, this, this great country of Australia? What impressed you the most? And he stopped and thought for a few moments and he said, this is what impressed me the most, how well the parents obey their children. 
and how true those words are, friends. How well the parents obey their children. When I was a child, I would obey my parent. Nowadays, it seems to be that the parents are the ones that are obeying their children. There's an article that came out in the uh, Sunday Herald Sun, November 13, 2005. And it said this, the title was Kids Rule the Roost. More than half of Australian parents admit they can't control their children. A report on 4,500 parents in Melbourne, Brisbane and Sydney found 56% feel they are failing to deal with bad behaviour. About 52% reported suffering high levels of stress when trying to discipline their kids and one-third admitted needing professional help. You've got one-third of parents in Australia, friends, that are admitting they need professional help to deal with their kids. This is simply telling us that the Bible is correct and that these signs are fulfilling before our very eyes. Sign number 14, the iniquity abounding sign. In Matthew 24, verse 12, as Jesus once again goes on, he's giving those different signs. He says, and because iniquity or sin shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. You know, today there's a great lack of love mercy and compassion in many people's lives people are unresponsive to the needs of others this is why we find such a lack of compassion in homes divorce broken homes selfishness self-centeredness it leads to sadness it leads to suffering and in the families of our society it usually leads to divorce and family breakdown we find in our society today sadly that there's been a 30 percent decrease in marriage 40% increase in divorce, where one more than one in every second marriage ends in divorce. And of course, many don't even get married today. So that doesn't even count when they break up. The love of many shall wax cold because people are living sinful lives. Their hearts are not responsive to the needs of others. And sadly, they're not even responsive often to their own children. You know, in our world today, that's why I find this hard to believe. This is the, the statistics that came out. They estimate there are, there are around about 46 million women around the world each year that have abortions. They decide that this precious little child that they are having that should be a bundle of joy in the family is not wanted. So it's aborted, which really means that they've killed their child. 46 million women around the world are having abortions each year. Now, when you look at that in context, we find that in our world today, every year, they estimate there are around 100 million babies that are born. So there are 100 million babies being born each year, but we're also told there are 46 million abortions. So that basically means for every second baby you see, every two babies that you see, one baby has been aborted around this world. Every two children that are born, one child has been aborted. The love of many is waxing cold in the hearts, in the families, in the minds of people today. Sign number 15, the environment sign. Notice this very, very interesting passage of Scripture. Revelation 11, verse 18. Now, it's talking about the second coming of Christ. And it says these words, And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. Here we find the Bible tells us that when Jesus comes back to this earth, he's also coming back to destroy them, which destroy the earth. 
Are we finding ourselves as a planet today, as I speak, are we destroying this earth? I think it's very, very obvious to anybody who just reads a newspaper or who listens to the world that planet earth is in big trouble, isn't it? I don't have to try and labor with you to try and prove this point. Every single day in our newspapers, on our news, we are finding that scientists are saying we are in big trouble. We have global warming. We have the ice caps that are melting. We have seas that we are told will rise five meters. And the Time magazine has been covering this. And one magazine that came out recently, it's got their Time special report on global warming. And the, the, uh, the title page caption says, be worried, be very worried. And it's got a picture of a polar bear there on a piece of ice in the middle of the water. We are finding today that we are being told that our earth is basically being destroyed. And if we don't do something about it fast, it's all over for planet earth. When at the same time, the Bible's telling us that Jesus said, when I come back, I'm coming back to destroy those who have destroyed the earth. We are destroying the earth today. And we are seeing these things happen right before our very eyes. You know, strangely enough, a little while ago, I was talking there before how I was in Vanuatu and I had an earthquake in Vanuatu while I was over there running some meetings like this. But at the same time, I visited a small island. This little island is called the Island of Nuna. Very small island. There's a little church there. And I was asked to go there to speak at this little church, which we did, my family and I. And while I was there, I got talking to some of the locals because the little church was about probably about 20 meters from the ocean. And as I was talking to one of the gentlemen from the church, I noticed that there was a big tree that had fallen down into the ocean. And I commented by saying, oh, there's a big tree that's fallen into the ocean there. The, uh, the, the waves have, have eroded away the bank and it's fallen down. And he said this. He said, that tree 10 years ago was 20 meters from the ocean. He said, now, just last little while, it was eroded away. It fell into the ocean. He said, in 10 years, 20 meters of our land has disappeared. And I said, have you guys ever heard of global warming, you know, the seas rising and this sort of stuff? He said, heard about it. We've had scientists around here. He said, we haven't just heard about it. We are seeing it happen right before our very eyes. In 10 more years, we expect our little church, which is now 20 meters from the ocean, to be falling into the ocean if time permits. We are finding today, friends, that the seas are beginning to rise, that the temperatures are changing, that the polar caps are melting, that we are finding our world filled with toxic chemicals, with pollutants, the waterways, the oceans. It's like there's nothing on this earth that hasn't been contaminated in a negative way by mankind. The rainforests of the world are being cut down. One football field every second. Second, uh, The rainforests of the world are like our lungs. And we are finding ourselves simply destroying planet Earth. In a nutshell, this summarizes it. We are using 30% more natural resources than what nature can regenerate. To supply our wants and our needs and Often it's a, it gets back to our financial sign with the rich men of the world heaping treasure for the last days. Often to do that, they do what? They destroy nature to produce things that you and I often don't even need to make money to satisfy their hunger for wealth. 
that we are finding today. We are told that we're using 30% more natural resources than what nature can regenerate, which is telling us we're about to go bankrupt. Back in 2002, this came out. Scientists agree world faces mass extinction. Frightening stuff, isn't it? Corey S. Powell, former NASA scientist and editor of the Scientific America, says at least 30,000 species vanish every year from human activity, which means we are living in the midst of one of the greatest mass extinctions in Earth's history. He's telling us that there are 30,000 species every year that are vanishing off planet Earth. And he's talking about little you know, microorganisms and all sorts of stuff. We are finding ourselves destroying this earth. Now, much more could be said about this, but we are seeing it take place in our world today. It's synchronizing with all these other signs that the Bible gives us. Sign number 16. We only have three to go. Revelation 16, verse 13 and 14, the spiritualism sign. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles. We find in our world today that more and more people are getting involved in occult beliefs. It's becoming more and more important in people's lives. It's becoming a part of the popular means of fulfilling one's spiritual needs. They have rejected God, rejected Christianity, so we go off to the occult through tarot cards or mediums or star signs or whatever. And it's given to us through television, television, movies, books, and I myself, many years ago, went to a tarot card reader. Check this out. And she told me many things about my life that nobody else could tell me. There was a real power in this system. But you need to be here for our last lecture, night number 10. It's called Spirits, Demons and the Dead to find out who is the power behind spiritualism and what happens when people die. But things like Harry Potter and different books and movies are drawing young people and educating them into things like the occult. Just for one example, Harry Potter, in his so-called tremendous success. Notice his statement here. It says, Harry is an absolute godsend to our cause. An organization like ours thrives on new blood. Who said that? High Priest Egan, First Church of Satan, Salem, Massachusetts. He said these so-called fun movies and fun games are indoctrinating and teaching people about witchcraft and the occult and they find themselves in the wrong church. In England, the Pagan Federation has reported that they have had to hire a youth official for the first time in history. The spokesperson said when questioned as to why the increased curiosity, she replied, we always ask the new interests why they came to call and she said they were led there by a book like Harry Potter. You'd be very, very careful, friends, what you are feeding your children, whether it's from God or whether it could be from the enemy. Two more signs to go there. Our second last sign, sign number 17, is the scoffer's sign. In Second Peter 3, verses 3 to 4, there shall come in the last days, what days? The last days, scoffers walking after their own lust. What are they saying? And saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Scoffers in the last days saying, oh, you guys have been saying Jesus is coming for years. He hasn't turned up. He's not coming back. And they scoff at religion and they scoff at truth and righteousness. But friends, without realizing it, these very, very same people are actually fulfilling Bible prophecy when they scoff and when they laugh. Because it says in the last days, this will take place. 
and many are laughing, many are scoffing at the things that are taking place before our very eyes today. And this leads us to our last sign, sign number 18, the Noah's Day sign. The Noah's Day sign. We find here that the Bible tells us in Matthew 24, verse 37 to 39, but this is Jesus himself speaking here, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus is simply saying as it was in Noah's day, it will be when I come back. In Noah's day, there was four main points of what the world was like. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, it says the imagination and the thoughts of people's hearts was evil continually. It also says in verse 11, Genesis 6 verse 11, that violence filled the earth. We are seeing that in our world today. It also tells us that they scoffed at Noah. Noah preached for 120 years that a flood would come. Get on board the ark was his call. But they scoffed and they laughed and they mocked. And the main point that God brings out, that Jesus Christ brings out here, is that they knew not their condition. You know, friends, many in our world today, they don't know the condition that they're in. They don't know the signs of the times. They don't know what's about to take place. Just as those in Noah's day had no idea a flood was coming, even though they were warned for 120 years, they laughed, they scoffed, they mocked. But when that rain began to fall, things began to change. People decided to get on board that ark, but sadly it was too late. They knew not their condition. They knew not the time. They understood not what was taking place around the world. And many are like this man upon the screen tonight. They are totally oblivious to what's taking place. They're about to walk down the manhole of life. They're busy walking along with their iPod stuck in their ear and their bag of goodies on their back and they don't realize what's taking place in this world. They are unprepared for the second coming of Jesus Christ. How is it with your life tonight, friend? How is it with your life tonight? Are you like that man walking along life, iPod stuck in your ears, oblivious to the signs that are all around us that are telling us that Jesus Christ is soon to return? Are you oblivious to the things of the world or what's taking place in our world today? Yeah, Jesus said his second coming would be just like it was in the days of Noah. They knew not until the flood came and took them all away. You know, friends, the last few grains of sand in the hourglass of time are now trickling through. And many are like those in Noah's day, unprepared, God is calling to get on board the ark of salvation. Friend, God is calling to you today. God is calling to your heart tonight. He's saying to you and I, get on board the ark. Take on salvation. Don't put it off. Don't be like those in Noah's time who found when the rain came, it was too late. God is telling us today through his word, through these signs, that Jesus Christ is soon to come back to this world. All these different signs are synchronizing as never before. Yes, we've had earthquakes before, we've had wars before, there's been some famines, but never before have we seen these signs synchronizing in our world as we do right now. But there's also a positive side to these signs. 
because Jesus simply said in Luke 21, verse 28, and when these things begin to come to pass, then look up. He says, look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draws nigh. Yes, these signs can be frightening. They can be negative in some ways, but in the, in the flip side of the coin, they are positive because the Bible's telling us that they are telling us that Jesus Christ is soon to come to this earth. Friends, Jesus Christ is coming back to this world. He's coming back to this world very soon. No one knows the day or the hour, but the signs are telling us that we should be, pe- be preparing our lives to meet Jesus Christ when he comes back to this earth. But what does it mean when the Bible says that Jesus is going to return? When the disciples ask that question, what will be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? What does it mean when Jesus Christ comes back? How will he come back? Why will he come back? Well, friend, you need to be here for our next lecture. It's entitled The Rapture and the Second Coming. This message was made available by Cornerstone Ministries. For more resources like this, visit cornerstone-ministries.org. You've been listening to Go Teach All Nations here on 3ABN Australia Radio.